We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, let me let me hold on, Dennis, on that because we got Kurt Warner. Um, and he is, of course, an NFL uh, analyst. And you can follow him on there at uh, Kurt Warner at Kurt. 13 Warner, and you can see him every Sunday on the NFL Network's uh, game day morning at 9 o'clock on the NFL Network, and uh, and he obviously lived through this. Matter of fact, uh, he was very gracious in how he handled it, just like Eli has been so far. So it brings up memories for Kurt, who left here and then went to Arizona and uh, resumed his Hall of Fame career, so uh, it didn't hurt his career much, but Kurt, welcome. How are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you? Good, thank you. You know, uh, going back to that year, you did handle it very gracefully. You were on this show when uh, it was announced that you were going to be stepping aside with a winning record for Eli. Uh, you had to sit there and, and go through that year. How tough was it personally to go through what Eli's going through right now? You didn't have the long time with the team that Eli had, but how tough was it? You still were a star quarterback. How tough was it to go through that the rest of that season? It's tough, and you know it's tough not to be out there competing on Sundays, but I tell you what, my probably the hardest thing for me was going through the week and running scouting. And, you know, when you've accomplished so much in this business and then you're kind of relegated to here, I'm going to hold up a card and we're going to circle a guy and you got to drop back and throw it to that guy to give your defense a look. That was the hardest part because what you love is competing and you didn't matter if it was practice or Sundays, you wanted to compete. And when that was taken away from you, a, the Sunday afternoons, and then be almost on a daily basis uh, every time you stepped into the facility, that was the most difficult part because you know you can still play and you just want to go out and compete and do uh, you know what you've been doing for a number of years, especially you know, a guy like Eli who knows the end is much closer than the beginning, um, that you hate to have to go through moments uh, where you don't get a chance to be out there competing and being a part of the sport that you love. And so I know it's killing Eli, um, but as you know and as I know with Eli, he's nothing but class, and he's going to carry himself with class, and he's going to do a great job of helping Daniel in any and every way that he can. And you did the same thing. But the hard part must be too, Kurt, you guys – you have to prepare because you're always one play away from getting in the game. But how hard is it to prepare knowing that they're going to stick, just like the, Eli knows now, they're going to stick with this kid unless he gets his bell rung, just like they knew they were going to stick with Eli unless he gets his bell rung. How hard is it to be re- – is it tough to keep your mind on business, to be prepared to go out there and, and jump in at a moment's notice? Yeah, I think it's always hard. I know the, the cliche is I'm going to prepare like I'm a starter. Right. But there's no way to ever prepare like you're a starter if you're not a starter. From getting reps to, as you're talking about, the mental preparation of what you have to do to be a starter in this business, it's just hard to stay at that same level when you're not a backup. And, you know, you make a great point is that you, you kind of feel like the only way you're ever going to play again, at least, you know, this year with the Giants, right. is the guy in front of you gets hurt. That's it, yeah. And, you know, it's, a, it's a tough situation to be in because – Nobody ever wishes that upon anybody, especially their teammates. 
Um, so it is hard mentally to stay connected to it, knowing that they have taken the step to the future and they're not coming back. There's, they, you know, there's, there's no reason they're ever going to come back to you uh, in a Giants uniform. And uh, it's a very difficult spot to be in. And I can only imagine for Eli, who was given so much to that organization, that not only is, you know, he, he thinking about right now and what he's got to do now, I'm sure there's a part of him that is weighing the future. And what does that mean? You know, is he willing to be a backup with the New York Giants for the next couple of years if he wants to continue to play? Is he, is he contemplating, man, can I go somewhere else, kind of like my brother did, and try to start anew? And so I'm sure that part of it has entered in, too, even though, you know, they're only four games into the season. Well, how, well, you had more time left in your career, but how about you? Look, you went and found a team and, and had another incredible run. I mean, uh, you know, and went to another Super Bowl and, and came within an eyelash of winning it. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, he's got an example in his own household uh, of Peyton doing the same thing. Everybody thought he was done and he couldn't play anymore, and he goes to Denver and, and goes to two more Super Bowls. And so, you know, seeing Eli in training camp this year, I did get the sense that he was in great shape. He was excited about the season. He hadn't even really contemplated this whole idea of retirement that we all wanted to kind of push him into just because he was getting up there in age. So I would not be the least bit surprised if he goes somewhere else and plays football because he wants to play football. I think the hard thing, you know, like anybody that, that, that's been a part of an organization for so long, it's can I feel comfortable putting on another uniform and going into another locker room or do I want to kind of finish my career and, and, and have that accolade that I played every single one of my snaps with one particular team? Kurt, no question. Listen, you understand the quarterback position. We're talking with Kurt Warner, uh, and, and you talk about it on TV all the time, and you played it uh, to an incredible level. That's why you're in the Hall of Fame. They want mobile quarterbacks, these guys now. These, you know these coaches, these play callers, they want mobile quarterbacks. Let's be honest, they do. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a, it's a new facet of the game based on the rules of the game now uh, and the way they kind of have to hold off the quarterbacks. And, um, you know, but, but I think there's always a give and take when you talk about a mobile quarterback. You know, we still haven't seen necessarily the great mobile quarterback that is great from inside the pocket as well. And I think every time, you know, when you're a mobile quarterback and your mindset is if I don't see what I want to see, I can go and create it never forces you to have to get through your progressions and become, you know, really the best in the business inside the pocket. And so I think there's always a give and take there. Yes, they love the athleticism. They love the guys that can uh, play from inside the pocket and then add a little bit extra um, when things break down. And I think the closest thing that we've seen is a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And I don't know if we would call him a mobile quarterback, but he's got the ability to buy time, get outside, create plays, much like an Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I think there's always going to be a give and take with that because when you're not forced to do something, uh, it's hard to really improve to the point where you can become one of the best at it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they like the mobile quarterbacks, but I still think you got to win this game from inside the pocket if you want to win at a championship level. How about seeing some of these youngsters jump in and play well, like uh, Allen did for uh, Carolina or the kid did in Jacksonville or Jones did last week for the Giants? These guys in usually the curve is uh, much steeper, and maybe it will for them in weeks two, three, four, five, six get much steeper. I'm sure they'll have some bad days. But the point is these guys seem much more comfortable – early on than their predecessors. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think there's a couple reasons. I mean, first of all, they throw it a lot around a lot in more college, in college. Yep, no question. A lot of these guys are getting so many more reps throwing the football and learning how to play the game. I think there's rules in the NFL that lend itself to a lot more short passes, get the ball out of your hands, ways right. to have more success early because of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a number of reasons why uh, you're seeing that. Uh, but, yeah, I think the bottom line is I think they're just a little better prepared than the last generation was to step in and have to play the game throwing the football, which is really what the NFL's become now. One thing we've seen with Jones already is ball security's an issue. He's been fumbling a lot in the preseason, and he fumbled a couple of times on Sunday. Uh, what do you do to work with a guy to make sure he works and improves on ball security? Well, you know, Mike, that's not my strong suit either. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I could give a whole bunch of advice. Yeah, there, but you but got I, better at it, though. You did, too. You know that. You got better I, at it. Just, you know, presence in the pocket, you know, feeling that sort of pressure. Um, you know, and then sometimes it's just circumstances. Sometimes it's simply just where the ball is when you get hit, you know, that you're trying to avoid and you're trying to keep your eyes down the field and, um, you know, or you're going to throw the football and the ball's, you know, loose in one hand or somebody comes in and clubs it. So there are so many different factors that go into it. But I think the biggest thing is just kind of the awareness inside the pocket and the ability to be able to know when a play's over. You know, I think you see a lot of quarterbacks when uh, they're not willing to give up on a play and throw it away and they want to buy time and these mobile guys that think like they can make a play running around every single time. I think that's a lot of times when you see the ball knocked out and they get a little loose with the football. Um, but again, you know, it's to me it's not a huge concern when I watch him play. I don't think he's a guy that's really loose with the football and it's hanging out there and he's swinging it all over the place. I think it's just been kind of circumstantial with the ones that I've seen up to this point. Kurt, is it a fine line? Do you think it's a fine line or do you think you owe your team everything? If a guy comes in, takes your job, and now they put the other guy in, you're being paid, obviously. You're the backup, and maybe you've been a guy with a lot of experience. You had a lot when you were here. Uh, Eli's had a world of experience. Do you owe that new quarterback everything you know about your job? Uh, is there a fine line there? What do you, how do you think that works? And do, I'm sure there's guys who have held back. I mean, I know there's guys who have held back, but what about, what about that idea of the veteran who just lost his job helping the youngster? Well, I mean, I think the beautiful part of our game is that it's the ultimate team sport. And, you know, I've always said that when I signed on a dotted line uh, for any of my contracts with the organizations that I signed with, I signed to be the best teammate that I could be, to be the best for that organization that I could be. There was no fine print that said you got to be the best teammate you can be when you're the starter or when you have what you want. And I've always believed that that's part of it, is that when you sign a contract to be a part of an organization, you owe it to that organization to do anything and everything to make them better. You know, if, if I'm playing quarterback and there's a young receiver that needs to grow, my job is to go put my arm around him and help him out. If there's coaches that are new to the deal, it, it's sitting down with them and, and helping to teach them what I can teach them so they can help our team to be better. And it's no different if it's a quarterback, even if he's taking my job, I always felt it was part of my contract um, and the reason they were paying me was not just to win games, but it was to help my organization be the best that it could possibly be. And, you know, for me, it was a number of times where uh, what, what was best for the organization with me 
was to help a young guy, whether it was Mark Bolger, whether it was Matt Leiner, whether it was Eli Manning, that was part of what I signed up for. And I think Eli said it great when they decided to go to Daniel. And he said, I knew what I signed up for. I knew this was a possibility. Um, and it's part of the job and it's part of the business. And I'm not going to change who I am or what I'm going to do for this organization simply because I didn't get what I wanted. Let me take you back to the other part of your career. We're talking with Kurt Warner, NFL Network. You're you're with Dick Vermeil, uh, and all of a sudden the quarterbacks go down, and everyone's saying the season's over, and no one realizes who you are or what you are, and all of a sudden Vermeil's on this show, and he says, "Hey, I got a guy who can throw the ball," and everyone's saying, "Oh, we really? Uh, you know, we never heard of him." He go, oh, "I got a guy who can throw the ball." What do you remember about taking over? And you did have immediate success, but what? how about when you took over? What was the hardest part for you to get acclimated? Well, you know, ironically enough, I didn't feel like it was that hard. And there's a couple reasons. I mean, first and foremost, I was surrounded by unique and unbelievable talent. And so I was surrounded by a bunch of guys that made my job easier. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is when people looked at my career at that point in time, as you said, Mike, everybody was saying, who is this guy? Right. And all they knew about me was that I was in a grocery store three years before that. How in the world could I play you know, football at the NFL level? Whereas when I look back at my career, yeah, I only played one year in college, but that one year I was the player of the year uh, in my conference. You know, I played three, three years in arena football. We went to the championship twice, and I was the best quarterback in the league during my time. So my point being is that every time I had played, I was successful. And so even when I got put in in the NFL, I didn't look at it any different. didn't think, oh, my gosh, this is different. I can't play at this level or I'm not going to be successful. I believed I was going to be successful because I always had been. So you take talent and you take that belief. And then I was put into a, a perfect system for what my skill set was. What Mike March was trying to do with his system and attack down the field and throw at the second level and do it. That is how I had always played the game. So it was, to me, like a perfect storm with the talent, with the mind of Mike Martz, with how he saw the game and called the game. It all just hit perfectly with who I was as a player, uh, and there was no doubt. I mean, now, I didn't expect to necessarily have the kind of success we had in 99, but I believed I was going to be successful because of all those things that, that surrounded me. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of guys that feel that same way, that it's not so much um, you know, what am I going to do when I get the opportunity? It's more, can I get that opportunity and show people what I'm capable of doing? Uh, give me what you liked. I know everybody has positive reviews about Jones's first game. Give me what you saw from Jones in week one. Well, uh, two things. Um, you know, I tweeted earlier in the week that it was one of the cleanest games I've seen from any starter this season. And what I mean by cleanest is when I watch and evaluate quarterbacks, it's not do they make every single throw because we've all played and you don't make every throw, but do you see the field? Do you make the right decisions and the right reads uh, within the play call that you have? Uh, and I thought he was tremendous at that, that, you know, there was only a few times where, and again, it was just based on, you know, some of the plays that he had that weren't necessarily right. the best piece against what he was seeing. Right. I thought he made the right decisions. He did the right thing with the football. He made some big time throws. Um, I just thought he played a really clean game from a decision-making standpoint, which is really hard to do no matter what, um, you know, no matter how long you've played in the business. But in his first start was pretty impressive. And then I'll say the second thing because, you know, the big question was how is he going to make this offense better than Eli? Because I believe they still play the game 
very similarly, like they're going to win inside the pocket. Even though Daniel's a much better athlete, he doesn't play necessarily as an athlete. He plays as a passer. But what he did in that game, there was a number of times when there was quick pressure in the pocket. And he was able to simply just kind of slide and move away from the pressure, eyes down the field, and he made three or four huge plays down the field simply by sliding away from pressure that I don't know if Eli would have been able to do, and it probably would have been a sack, put them but you know behind the sticks, uh, whereas Daniel turned those into big plays and game-changing plays for them. And I thought that was the biggest difference offensively with what Daniel did to, to what they had in, in Eli at this stage in his career. I totally agree. I think it, uh, you, uh, especially one to the right where he made a big play down the field and was a big slide, and he did get early pressure on that. And the only bad throw I think he really made was the one in the cover two, which should have been picked off. That was the only one that I thought was a really bad throw in the, in the game. He only had really one, I think, that was a bad throw. Well, uh, I don't yeah. even know if it was a horrible throw as yeah. much as the coverage kind of forced him to get through his read, and he might have been just a touch late, but it was a two-man coverage where there was a guy under and a guy over, and you're right, that one could have been – should have been intercepted. Um, but, again, he went through his progressions nicely. It was more based on the coverage that they were playing that that was probably one he wanted to have back. Did you see Allen's game in Carolina? Did you review that one? Oh, yeah, definitely. And what did you think about – What I mean, he threw, a, he, he threw a clean game, too. How about his game that day? He did. He played. He played really, really well. I tell you what, um, you know, and he showed a lot of uh, those similar things. He, he showed timing. He made all the throws he was supposed to make. Now, the Cardinals didn't make it extremely tough on him. A lot of his first reads were open. But there were a couple times where they brought pressure as well. One of his touchdowns, they brought an all-out pressure, and he slid away from the pressure and made a nice throw on the run. Um, But I thought he played an excellent game and looked extremely comfortable. Uh, You know, maybe to the point when you watch that game that you say, man, Carolina might be a better passing team with Kyle Allen than they would be with Cam Newton. Now, Cam brings a whole different dynamic to it, but – just from a passing standpoint, he looked extremely comfortable, um, you know, and he did the last year in his first start. So I'm excited to see where he goes from here because, as you said, you know, it's one game, it's two games. You know, we want to get excited about these guys, but the bottom line is consistency at this level. Uh, but I'm really excited about him. Uh, I've known Kyle for a long time. He, he went to school where my, my son went to school, so I've known him for a long time and really excited for him to get this opportunity. Talking with Kurt Warner. How about Bridgewater? I thought Bridgewater had a very big win. I thought that was a huge win for the Saints to win that game in Seattle for Bridgewater. I thought that was a great – and they have the Cowboys on Sunday. That was a big start for him that they get that win because if he can at least keep them alive 500 until Breeze comes back, they're going to have a good chance. And that was, a, I thought, a very big win for him in week one. A huge win going on the road. And, you know, we always talk about it when – you know, young quarterbacks or new quarterbacks come in, you say, you know, everybody else kind of needs to step up their game a little bit. And, you know, he was fortunate to get the special teams touchdown, the defensive touchdown, 14-0 and lead right off the bat. And then he was able to settle in. And I think that's how they want to play is even when Teddy was playing with Minnesota and they went to the playoffs, Teddy was not a throw 35 times, carry the team, make big throws down. The, he was not that type of quarterback. He was a manage the game keep it close, understand what he's got around him, and then make the plays you have to make to win, but you don't have to do too much. And that was really the formula they used in Seattle. I think that's the formula they want to use um, moving forward. And, you know, they're going to need help from other areas against against the Cowboys to win this game. But I I just am so excited for Teddy. He's such a great guy, and he went through what he's been through with the knee injury and fighting his way back. It's really cool 
to see him back on the field and having some success. Is Mayfield's problems from what you see just because of the offensive line woes, or is he doing other things that concern you right now? Uh, yeah, I think it's a combination. You know, I think, you know, anytime you're a quarterback and there starts to become pressure around you, um, it's easy to start seeing ghosts or feeling ghosts or feeling like you have to bail every single time uh, because the guys up front aren't you know, doing their job. And it's a hard place to be because you have to play this game with trust, trust in your receivers, trust in your offensive line. And when you lose that, it makes you change the way you play. And I think that's, that's starting to happen a little bit in Cleveland where uh, he's bailing a little bit too quickly. Um, you know, he's getting out of there and trying to create more than he needs to. And no matter who you are, even if you're great at that, it's hard to live in that world and think you're going to beat good teams creating all the time. And so I think he needs to settle in a little bit more, trust those guys up front, even if they don't do a great job, take a sack here or there, but trust what he's seeing and make more plays inside the pocket. And I think they got to help him. They got to keep running the ball. I think Nick Chubb is a stud. I he's think very he's good. Yes. Really good job. And they need to do more running the football and more play action and less simply drop back um, and, and try to put it on that offensive line and Baker Mayfield to make plays. You can see Kurt Sunday morning on the uh, uh, the NFL's game day morning show at 9 o'clock. Always a pleasure to have you on, Kurt. Thanks very much. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon, Mike. Hey, okay, Kurt. Kurt Warner, uh, good stuff from him. Uh, always is on the quarterback stuff and uh, told you what he thought about Jones's first performance, which obviously uh, drew raves around the league, as did uh, Allen's for uh, Carolina. Carolina's got Houston this week. Giants, of course, Redskins coming up. We'll have picks coming up in about, mm, about an hour from now. Got a lot more to do back after this.